What's up, everybody? We are three little boys, and this is the big show, episode number two. We are your hosts, Alex Day, Ethan Davidson, and Corey Cercina. Boys, how are you feeling after the start of college football? Absolutely ecstatic. I mean, you could not have asked for a more entertaining game out of Nebraska and Northwestern. Absolutely phenomenal way to start the season. I'm so hyped. There's no more Saturdays with no football. Let's go. Corey, what about you? I love it. Uh, I I honestly think the the gimmicky, like, destination games are so much fun. I don't care if you're playing it on, like, like a military carrier. I don't care if you're playing it in Ireland. I don't care if you're playing it in the middle of Zimbabwe. Like, I love week zero destination games. And thankfully, Nebraska-Northwestern was a good game in itself with the appeal of the destination. So all around, absolute massive win for college football. Yeah, it was a fantastic weekend. I was dancing around in my boxers when I heard the uh, Coming to Your City song for the first time on Saturday. Uh, I also loved the destination game. I thought that was absolutely a fantastic touch i know probably those teams fans were not ecstatic about it but uh i thought it was incredible touch that game so we've got that game and uh, mostly that game to talk about today because wow there were some uh there were some moves there were some calls and there were some there were some post game shade thrown as well so we're gonna get into everything today we're uh we're doing news and nonsense again We've got reaction to Northwestern and Nebraska, uh, and we'll talk about Illinois. They did play football this weekend, and they won. So uh, a round of applause to Illinois. Uh, After that, we're going to get into week's picks um, and kind of what are you looking for from each team that you think is going to tell you what the rest of their season is going to look like. Uh, So with that, we'll get into the news. Going to start off with Michigan's NIL club announcement. So this isn't anything new, Uh, like other teams have done this. MSU has something like this, actually. Uh, So basically, it's a player-led NIL club that people can pay a monthly subscription or donation, and they get access to, like, behind-the-scenes digital content, digital meet-and-greets, access to an exclusive message board that is only people who donate to that NIL club. Uh, So they're not reinventing the wheel by any means. Um, but Michigan has been a little slow rolling in the NIL game, uh, which I actually appreciate their approach. I don't know how, if you guys feel the same way, um, but this is definitely a step in the right direction. So, uh, what do you guys think about the NIL club? Um, I, I honestly think it's just, it's one of those things where it does nothing for me personally, not something that like I'm jumping out of my shoes to go and be a part of because Michigan is my team. But I think for the younger generations, I think that's something that's really going to attract them. Like guys, I mean, think about if you're a kid in Michigan or who loves Michigan football, who's playing high school football or whatever, you know, your whole team is rocking that subscription. I think it's like $10 a month. And I honestly, I think it's the best thing that the players could get together and do 
like, hey, let's just have a bunch of content that comes out that you have to pay this monthly subscription to. And I'm pretty sure it gets spread out evenly through the whole team, which is, uh, I'm in my opinion, that's awesome. Like you need something like that with NIL because if you're going to get, if you, the core of your team is built on three and four star kids. What takes you over the top is the five-star talent. And to get those guys, I think something like this is, I think it's great. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Ethan, I would agree with you uh, as far as like, I don't think it's something that's really special. Um, and like, and to just pinpoint off of what Alex said too, um, Michigan has kind of lacked a little bit uh, in the NIL program. Uh, but I think a really cool and interesting piece with this is it's completely player led. Like, no coaches, no anything, and, and it's just run by the players. So they're distributing, uh, you know, when the money comes in, they're distributing the content, um, and they are they're the ones that are spearheading this. So, like, not only does it bring in enough, like, just revenue for the players and, like, gives you, like, that NIL, like, money, um, but I think, like, it would, like, also go to, like, the core of what, like, Michigan's whole thing, like, the team, the team, the team everything that you do on and now off the field is about the team because it gets split up evenly. You might run into some issues once you get players that come into the program and they're obviously carrying a little bit more weight. Um, but the fact that like all the players on the team now came together and agreed and created this program, I think is going to go a long way, at least for this team right now and maybe into the future. So like it's a, it's the very Michigan, it's the very, like, oh, we're going to do this our sort of way mentality, which can be kind of pompous or whatever you want to call it. But uh, I think it's good that the players are the ones that came together and like, hey, we're going to do this and uh, it's going to be together. So I kind of like it. Yeah, I'm with you. This was going to happen at some point and every program in the country is going to have something like this at some point, at least every major program. And I, I personally appreciate the slow approach that Michigan has to NIL because these programs are going to these programs are going to get in trouble when these, you know, five star and four star guys who have these six figure deals aren't going to pan out. And then there's going to be someone riding the bench making a bunch of money and that walk on or that two or three star who took his job is going to have empty pockets. Uh, so something like this is going to level the playing field at least a little bit, not a lot, very little. Um, but it's something that every program is going to have to do at some point. I saw just really quick to wrap this up. I yeah. saw on, I can't remember what social media outlet or something, but like they had a goal. I want to say it was like 500,000 like dollars. I think 50. I think it was 50. Take a zero off there. So sorry. Okay. Thank you. I was like, I, I, I didn't know if it was like 500,000 for the whole season or what 50,000 seems much like much better. The way I understood so, it was 50,000 monthly. So yeah, like, correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. So, and they were like halfway there or something like that. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, so it's at least Michigan's doing something with NIL <laughs> for that. I'm thankful. <laughs> um, this could easily have fallen under nonsense. I don't know why I filed this under news. Uh, Desmond Howard 
So he did the expected, which was he picked Michigan to win the Big Ten when the other three guys on college game day all picked Ohio State. No one is shocked there. The shocking part was when Desmond freaking revealed his college football playoff final four. And he's got he's got Michigan, who, okay, there's a Big Ten champ. They're making the playoff. Okay, sure. He's got Michigan playing Baylor in the semifinal. And he's got Texas A&M coming out of the SEC and playing Pitt in the other semifinal. And then Texas A&M winning the national championship over Michigan. Texas A&M, Pitt, and Baylor in the college football playoff final four. This dude is on something. Absolutely on something. Pitt's going to do that thing where they they lose to like a Mac school week one and then just somehow like – dominate their side of the ACC and then get smacked by Clemson. This happens every year. I don't know. I don't know what would, what would possess you to make that selection when they have not proven that they can do that. They can look like a reputable college football program. I'll leave it at that. By the way, um, pretty sure pitch quarterback is now throwing a pigskin for a team called the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, uh, and, and their offensive coordinator is now gone at Nebraska calling plays for Casey Thompson and Scott Frost. Yeah, we'll get into, we'll get into that. But, um, I, I, Desmond, I, I love you, bro. We, we just, we fell off. We fell off our rocker making those picks. (laughs) That's all I can say. Do, Do you guys remember last year? It was during like the like the beginning of the like the Ukraine invasion, and some some media personality posted a picture of a bridge that was lit up with like the Ukraine flag colors, and Desmond Howard replied to it saying "Go blue." Do you remember that? No, I I, I didn't know that happened, so I couldn't remember it because I never saw it. Because I definitely would remember it if I saw it, and I, uh, yeah, Dear I God. mean that just yeah that just shows you like, I mean both of the both of the Saturday morning shows have a Michigan homer on them in Charles Woodson and Desmond Howard, and God bless both those guys for getting the gigs that they have, and they both make a crap ton of money off of it. But, uh, yeah, like Charles Woodson after the Michigan-Ohio State game, just like waving the Michigan flag and everything, and he was so hype and all that. And I get it. Like, I love beating Ohio State, too. It's literally probably my favorite sports thing that can happen on an annual basis. But it just – it's a little too much. It's a little too much. I, I'm that's, – that's all I have to say. The, the thing is, his his college football playoff picks didn't have anything to do with being a homer. Like, pick, picking Michigan in the, to go to the playoff is not, like, an outlandish thing to do. But to expect Pitt to lose their first-round draft pick starting quarterback, their number one wide receiver to USC, and their offensive coordinator to a bigger school, and they're just going to outwill Clemson. Like Clemson is not going to be as bad as they were last year. They will not. And 
I'm I'm guessing he probably just saw Michigan colors and was like, yes, playoff team. Let's go. It's it's insane. And to expect Texas A&M to come out of the SEC. uh, It's it's just a bad look when your picks make less sense than Lee Corso. God bless Lee Corso. I love that man. (laughs) Um, All right. You took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) You took the words right out of my mouth. I love Lee Corso. I, I prayed for that man every single day. Um, uh, a minor but also major piece of news, the Michigan at Iowa game it was announced as a black and gold stripe night game. So to say that I was out for blood and out for revenge is probably an understatement. Kinnick's already a tough place to play. And to make it a black and gold night game, probably homecoming, like they're going to invite the queen. They are going to roll out the red carpet to try to annihilate Michigan when they go to Kinnick. You know, for 100% certainty that there will be a 30 minute piece before that game on some sort of like suffering child or something like that that like the team has rallied around and is inspiring them and all of these things and nothing against them. God bless you. I hope you recover fully and I hope you are wonderfully well, but it is just going to be one of those things where as a Michigan fan, you just pray to God that they accidentally win that game. (laughs) And just roll out of there because I I'm I'm telling you, after the beatdown that Michigan laid on them in that Big Ten championship game, and you guys were both at that game, I, I oh I'm scared. I, I that was the game that I thought Michigan was gonna for sure lose uh before the Ohio State game. They could have they could have two losses before the Ohio State game. I think that's going to be the one that they will lose for sure, even above Michigan State. I don't think they're going to win that game at all. I have no confidence. Uh, it, yeah, I I can understand why because if you picked them to lose beforehand and then you find this out, it doesn't make you feel any better. It makes me nervous already, and we're how many weeks out? Um. All right. So last little bit before we get into the biggest piece of news, which we're going to spend a couple of minutes on. Uh, MSU landed a four-star defensive end from Cast Tech, uh, Jalen Thompson, uh, who they actually beat out Ohio State uh, for him, and he's ranked 198 in the country. Uh, I believe that's from 24-7. I believe all these rankings are from 24-7. But in the same breath, they lost a four-star wide receiver. Uh, He decommitted this week, Demetrius Bell, who was 388th uh, in the nation from 24-7. And they lost him. Everyone's suspecting that they lost him to Alabama. So Nick Saban putting on his best Mr. Steal Your Girl impression again for another recruit. Uh, Keon Keeley, the five-star defensive end who decommitted from Notre Dame, is now visiting Ohio State. Get this. When Notre Dame comes to play Ohio State at Columbus. So imagine running into your ex at a birthday party or any public event. Keon Keeley just is doing that on purpose now and being like, uh, screw you. I'm in the horseshoe. I'm going someplace else and I'm going to sack your quarterback while I do it. And they're, by the way, they're way better looking 
like you think that they're going to show up and you're going to look all hot and spicy and everything. Nope. Nope. Chick they're with is way, way better looking. And you're just like, oh, well, you know what? I want to be mad at them for leaving, but great job. Yeah, if OSU puts a spanking on them, uh, there's no chance of him coming back. That's for sure. And then uh, last recruit, Purdue landed a four-star defensive lineman today, Kendrick Gilbert, uh, 276 in the nation. So, Corey, your uh, spoiler makers are out on the trail. Spoiler up, baby. Oh, this is this is great for Purdue. This is an absolute win, obviously. But um, what? Brom's been there for a few seasons now. Uh, yeah. And he's shown that he can win a big game here and there. Now he just needs to put it all together. And a piece to that puzzle is to be able to recruit well. And uh, I don't – I can't tell you the last time that I've seen a huge – I wouldn't want to say huge, but like a, a four-star, highly, recru- highly recruited recruit came to Purdue. So, True. step in the right direction for those guys. 100%. All right. And to the biggest update that we have, that we're not just spending time on this because we're Michigan fans, uh, this is huge and pretty unprecedented. Like, I've never heard of anything like this happening before since I believe people have been saying that Brady did this his senior year at Michigan, like this kind of situation happened. Yes. But Harbaugh came out with a statement about the QB battle obviously happening between Cade who was the starter last year and JJ who is a true sophomore recruited as a five-star out of IMG who they had packages for him last year. Uh, But Harbaugh came out and said he hasn't picked one yet. He's going to start Cade in week one against Colorado state. And then JJ will start week two against Hawaii and week three, we will know who the starting quarterback is. At Michigan is so I haven't heard of this happening before this is insane but I'm pretty excited like just to go out there and and prove to me that you're the guy kind of situation one game tryout each it kind of gets me pumped uh but some people think this is ridiculous oh Corey we uh we don't have you there bud Ethan go ahead all right, so <laughs> I I uh I have thought long and hard about this. And obviously I'm try I'm trying to remove the bias of it being the team that I'm a fan of. And honestly, if I'm if I'm looking at this honestly, I think that Michigan's first two games are against two teams that are soft as Charmin. So they are basically preseason games. And I think that this is the correct course of action when it comes to picking the best player. Now, having said that, Cade McNamara just took Michigan to the playoff after beating Ohio State and winning a Big Ten championship. However, that does not mean that you come back and your job is guaranteed. And as hard as it is for me to say, I, I, I like the move. I, I think it's, it's put in front of them. Hey, go out there, do your job to the very best of your ability. And whichever one of you is better is going to get the job. And that is what I want as a fan. 
I don't care if this was at Purdue, Ohio State. It does not matter across the board. If I am a fan of one of these teams, what I want is the best player for my team to win games on the field. And I think this is going to give them the opportunity to do that. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I hate to throw shade at the coach who just won my school a Big Ten championship. But historically, since he's been at Michigan, Harbaugh hasn't made the right starting QB decision just coming straight out of the offseason. Very often, he he chose Wilton Spate correctly. He chose Jake Rudock correctly. But then since then, he chose Joe Milton over Cade McNamara, which was obviously the wrong choice. Obviously. I was just about to I was just about to bring up Joe Milton and say how horrible of a coaching decision that was. And to not see that in practice blows my mind. But continue. Exactly. To not see it in practice is concerning. And then even before that, when Wilton Spate got hurt, he chose John O'Corn over Brandon Peters. And Brandon Peters ended up being the better quarterback. So if it takes you being able to see on game, like for a full four quarters, what that dude looks like in game to be able to choose the correct guy, do it, do it. You're doing against Colorado state and Hawaii, throw them out there. You trust both of them because they've both played in big moments. So I think it's a zero risk scenario and it's going to be left up to the players. And I love that, like inject this competition and this tryout into my veins. This is also, you have to realize, going to be the very first time that J.J. McCarthy is going to start a game. And from what we have heard, he's going to get the entire game to play. And that is going to be fascinating to see. And I don't know what Colorado State, I don't know that Colorado State played in week zero. But I do know that Hawaii lost 62 to 10 to Vanderbilt in week 63. Zero. 63. Sorry, 63 to 10 to Put some Vanderbilt. Respect on them. I I think JJ might have uh, gotten the uh, the better end of this deal having week two against Hawaii, just reacting to week zero. But uh, but we shall see. Corey, do you want to say something? I know we uh, lost audio for a second, but you're back. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to do this as efficiently as I can. I'm I'm filming from a car right now, so dedication to this pod from the very get go. <laughs> you love the commitment. Um, I will say, I personally having the two quarterbacks compete in this kind of fashion, like it's unique, it's cool, it's like the ultimate form of competition. Uh, but for those reasons, like Harbaugh not making the right decision with Milton, Harbaugh not making the right decision with O'Corn, this makes me a little bit uneasy. Because is this a question of he doesn't know where the talent is? Or is this a question of you just had a quarterback who got voted to be a team captain who won you a Big Ten championship and you may have a guy who's better than him? Uh, I, so, like, that's where I'm kind of like, ah, I don't really know, but I guess I agree with it. Um, although I will say this, there was an article last year written about Kate McNamara in Sports Illustrated. It was called like the Marvelous Mr. Maze of Blue or something like that. And it talked about like this competition happening last year about Kate being like an overlooked prospect, 
coming to Michigan and then him having to work every single step of the way to get to where he was at. And then they were asking him specific questions about this quarterback battle. And he was saying, I just love the competition and I'm going to come out here. And I'm going to prove myself every single day. That's why he was voted a team captain. And that's why he was so successful the way that he was last year. And I guess anybody who would think like this would hurt the confidence of McNamara isn't really paying attention. And I think it, this would absolutely bring the best out of them. So whoever wins this competition, it would literally be the best that each of those players have to offer. And then whichever one is better at the end of the day. Corey, just, I know we weren't even having an argument about it, but Corey just won that segment right there. Let me just say that because that man just put into words exactly how I feel. I, I, I like it. As I said, I, I, I came to the conclusion that I like the fact that they're both getting basically an open tryout, but I am terrified that the reason that this is happening is because Jim Harbaugh cannot recognize who the better talent is unless he already has locked in on one of the two and wants so desperately to keep both, which, oh, don't even send me down that road, please. But Corey, absolutely amazing points. I, I think he's spot on. I think Corey has a gift that he just is able to peer into the hearts and souls and minds of those that he's close to. And he just has that very intimate connection with, with everybody. And uh, I think, uh, I think he's, if you can't see what I'm seeing on the screen right now, but, but this is insanity. Oh my gosh. Uh, I think that's enough of Michigan uh, because we cannot let this episode go on without getting Scott Frost up on trial. This man needs to take his seat on the burning hot heap of coals that he has made for himself. And guilty. it ties directly. Go ahead, Ethan. Go ahead. Guilty, 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 <laughs> Your Honor. This man is guilty. He is a fraud. The UCF days were a lie. I, I, I mean, I, I cannot wrap my brain around a team that finds a way to give away one possession games like Nebraska and Scott Frost. I cannot wrap my brain around it. And the whole nonsense section of news and nonsense is solely dedicated to Nebraska and, and this game because one, it came out that apparently in Europe, the red N that is on the side of Nebraska's football helmets exactly resembles the sign that they have for novice that they put in cars of new drivers, which the jokes just write themselves. And it got worse after the loss because we told you guys last week about the 15 to 20 pukes that the Nebraska offensive linemen are suffering from like basically every week in practice. Well, oh, Northwestern's, Northwestern's O-line coach came out with a tweet after the game and he said, <laughs> he said to think we only puked like four times all camp and their O-line absolutely dominated. And he was just throwing absolute shade at the O-line coach and Scott Frost. So 
Uh, last thing before I let you guys chime in, I also picked Northwestern to win this game. I just want to point that out, and I raved about their offensive line last week. So kudos to me, but now it's time to uh, roast the Cornhuskers. So I... go ahead, Corey. I, I Truly, I just have one thing to say about this game. Who lets a man coach a college football team when that coach decides to onside kick with, like, what, an 11-point lead in the third quarter? Why are we doing that? There, there, there is zero argument for that play being called whatsoever. It made zero sense to every single person who was watching football in America and Ireland that day. Nobody understood it. Not one bit. And one side piece, I don't know if you heard or saw uh, the the concessions in the stadium that they were in uh, ran on computers, and the computers went down, so everyone just got free beer because maybe Scott Frost got into the into that into that stack, and that's probably what happened. So I don't really know why did we call that play. No sense to me. I just I I. I... Oh my goodness. I took the bait preseason and put my faith in Nebraska. And I thought to myself, they were the best three win team ever in the history of college football, which still may be the case, but they, they're just the one possession loss has become so ingrained in that program and so ingrained into the identity of who they are that I honestly think the only way to get rid of it is to fire Scott Frost, which is insane to say out loud and to actually mean it. But I think that's honestly true. I cannot fathom the fact that they, by the way, I saw a stat that popped up on the screen at like very shortly after the game when they were kind of showing Scott Frost walking off the field. And it was something along the lines of Nebraska is five and 27. I believe it said, don't, don't like make that a hundred percent. I'm not 21. sure that that's 21, five and 21, five and 21 in one possession games in his tenure at Nebraska which over that span is by far the worst in all of college football. And how could it not be? I, I, I can't wrap my brain around how this keeps happening, but it keeps happening. And you were a 12 and a half point favorite going into that game. You started off like gangbusters and then Thompson just turned into, uh, he was unbelievable in the first half. And then he turned into mud in the second half, his brain melted and they couldn't do anything. I understand the onside kick is asinine, but for the, for them to play as poorly as they did on offense in the second half is absolutely mind boggling to me and all credit in the world to Northwestern for winning that game. They took advantage of every single situation that they needed to, to win that game. And they did Alex, you called it huge kudos to you. And their offensive line, which you mentioned in last week's episode, was far and away the best unit on the field. 
not even close. Zero sacks for Nebraska. Their QB pressures were non-existent throughout that entire game. Absolutely incredible job by Northwestern and Nebraska. You've got problems. The Mayday button has been smashed in Lincoln. As is typical when there's a double-digit upset, like a team did, Northwestern did things to win that game, and Nebraska also did things to lose that game. Like you said, Northwestern's offensive line absolutely dominated. Evan Hull and I believe Cam Porter is his name, the the backup running back. They both ran wild on them. Uh, something else I didn't expect was Cam Mitchell, the DB out of Northwestern, looked legit. Uh, he didn't have the game ceiling interception, but he had the one before that. Uh, and Northwestern's defense, I don't know what was, I don't know if it was Northwestern's defensive line looking good or Nebraska's offensive line being horrible. The season will tell, but Northwestern was getting some pressure on them. And they had a couple of key sacks in the second half that helped put that game away. Um, but yeah, the onside kick, you went up 11. You went up 11. In, with nine minutes left in the third quarter, and after that onside kick, Nebraska did not score. They got outscored 14-zip after that onside kick, one of those touchdowns being the ensuing drive for Northwestern, which only had to be 44 yards. Uh, I think it's also safe to say that both quarterbacks, but especially Halinski, uh, looked way better. Than I expected. I I didn't expect either quarterback to be a world beater. They both looked like world beaters on Saturday, and it 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 took me back for sure. Thompson Thompson is just uh, Adrian Martinez 2.0. He's the same guy, literally the same player. Uh, just looking at that, like I'm like, hey, Martinez could have made that play. It's like I've I've seen him make that play like that. And then I've also seen him fumble the game away on a QB sneak, getting extra yardage when he didn't need to do that either. So uh, the same story for Nebraska. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot to cover because you guys did most of it, but like at what point do you feel bad for Nebraska fans? Because they showed up and showed out at that at, at in Ireland. They were, I mean, they must've been like over 50% of that stadium. Uh, and like, Scott Frost is Nebraska's Jim Harbaugh, and he has clearly not worked out in the seasons that he's been there. What do you do if you're Nebraska? Seriously, I, I don't. I don't really know what the answer is, and that's kind of how I felt when Mich with Michigan when Harbaugh was struggling too. What do you do? What's the answer? Because this was supposed to be your guy, and he hasn't shown any reason why he should be there right now. And if his if his seat wasn't already hotter than the core of the sun, uh, you might just be going supernova right now. When Michigan was in the position where I believed that they should fire Jim Harbaugh, the number one argument that I hated that people brought up all the time was, well, who are you going to get? And my response to that was always, I don't know and I don't care, but he isn't the guy. And if you're a Nebraska fan right now, that argument can't be a part of what you're saying because clearly it has gotten to the point where Scott Frost is just not the guy. Now, he has 11 games left on his schedule to fix this. And he's going to play, he's going to be the coach 
this entire season. I, I, I mean, they would have to absolutely implode for them to fire him during the season. Dude, you better take these 11 games and you better get it figured out real, real quick because you looked like it was a tale of two halves for Nebraska in that game. You came out like gangbusters in the first half. And, and yes, they cooled off a little bit in the second quarter, but you've got to hone whatever you had in the first half of that game, and that needs to be the Nebraska that we see for the rest of the year, or Scott Frost is gone. How much bigger does the Oklahoma game get now? Because Nebraska could potentially go into the bye week being 2-2 two and two with their wins being North Dakota and Georgia Southern. And then they get a pretty easy schedule after the bye for about four-ish games. And then they end the season with Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa. I mean, if they don't pull off a couple of upsets, this could get ugly. Like, not just bad, but ugly. And, and Corey, I did. I felt so bad for Nebraska fans watching that game because you were right. They did travel. And they were so many people's dark horse pick to win the Big Ten West and potentially get to a New Year's Six game. Ethan, on the last podcast, had him going 10-2 and two and getting out of the West and making it to the Big Ten championship game. And now you see them do what they've done ever since Scott Frost has been there. And it's like, oh, nothing's changed. Their defense looks horrible. Their offensive line might not be able to stop a nosebleed. And things could turn bad if they lose that Oklahoma game big. Um, so rip in peace to that, pre- to that prediction. And, uh, yeah, so a part of that 10 and two was beating Northwestern, believe it or not. I did not have them going 10 and two well, and with a loss against no the Northwestern. <laughs> um, Who thought? Cha- changing my prediction after one week to Nebraska does not make it to Indy. That is brave. That is bold and brave, sir. You know, it takes a big man to admit when they're wrong. And we've got our first flip-flop on the big show on a big preseason prediction. Um, Yeah, it was just not good all around for Nebraska. But, hey, fighting Pat Fitzgerald's baby. I'm on the Northwestern train. I'm I'm not going to do anything bold and say they're going to go 10 and 2 and come out of the west, but they're making a bowl game, baby. Let's go. The Quick Lane Bowl is Northwestern's to lose. Well, well, hold on here. Hold on now. There's an even larger train going southbound. And you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm bringing up. The spoiler makers are coming through, baby. I see that train is still alive for the Big 10 West title. I say boiler, you say up, boiler, 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 boiler. <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I think that, uh, yeah, my, my focus now does a hard shift over. And listen, I, I think that I've done a bad job of looking at Wisconsin and truly comprehending the team that they could have this year because I do think Wisconsin could do a lot of stuff. And I do think Wisconsin could win the West. But I am jumping ship after one game of Nebraska because that is all I needed to see. Who's the pick? Who's the new pick? Choo-choo, everybody. 
Hop on that Let's boiler making, hop on that boiler making bandwagon. Let's go. Boiler oh up, baby. God. Boiler up. The road to Pasadena runs through West Lafayette, baby. Aiden O'Connell taking me to the promised land. The train is getting full. Woo! All right. Well, that I think that's a perfect transition into uh, the Pickums because guess who's got a big game this week? Penn State and Purdue. But we are saving that one for last because I have a feeling it's going to get spicy. Uh, so we're going to start out with uh, eh, kind of some lamos, but hey, they're Big Ten teams and they're playing football, so we're happy about it. So, all right, week one Pickums. Let's go Thursday night. Minnesota, New Mexico State, probably an easy one. I've got Minnesota. Who you guys got? Minnesota, easy all day. And I would take Minnesota, punt those points. Minnesota. Do I even need to pick this game? Yes. If Minnesota, if Minnesota loses this game, just kick them out of the big time. Just do it. Well, I mean, they lost to Bowling Green last year, so I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, but we're about this. We're about. We are a pro Maction podcast. I don't know if you know this, Alex, but uh, anybody who disrespects the Mac is going to hear it from me. Uh, I think Minnesota is just going to be a little bit uh, too talented, and they're going to be healthy for the first time in what feels like years. So, uh, yeah, easy one. Minnesota is the sweep. Friday, we got two Friday night games: MSU versus Western and Illinois versus Indiana. Let's do MSU and, and Western first. I've got Michigan State easily. So I have Min- Michigan State winning this game, but I do not have them covering the spread. I'm hey, what are, what are the points from the first game, too? Um, I don't have them pulled up right now, but if you wanted to look them up. Yeah, look them up. Wonderful. Yeah, look them up while Corey's giving his uh, gotcha. picks. Uh, out of sheer hatred, I this is this is my upset pick of the year. Western Michigan, they're going to go in there. They're going to they're going to cause some chaos. And this is completely biased. I get that. No, Mich- Michigan State's going to lose this game. Call it. Write it down. Send it to them. I don't care. I'm I'm in it. I'm in it to win it. I'm about that action. Corey, we can always trust you for your analytical logical mind and how you just think through things in the most coherent way to come to your conclusions. It's, it's impressive, honestly. Thank you. My sheer hatred will uh, put the Broncos to victory. MSU is minus 21 and a half, but <laughs> take, take the Broncos to cover. Um, if you take them to win, you could get some pretty good odds. I'll put a a dollar down. Why not? There you go. There you go. Gutsy move. As gutsy as all the pushes he gave us in the last episode. Corey's just just risking it for the biscuit on the show. Um, (laughs) All right. Next one is all Big Ten. Illinois versus Indiana. This game. Where's this game at? Uh, I think this game is at Illinois. I'm going to look up for sure. But who do you guys have? I think Illinois um, 
looked pretty good against Wyoming. Uh, looks like they've got a solid foundation there. I think Indiana is in shambles right now. Give me Illinois to win this game. I'm going to take Illinois as well, uh, solely because, A, I don't think Indiana is very good. I think they're going to struggle a lot this year. But, B, I think Illinois has the distinct advantage of already being game ready. And for Indiana to play their first game of the season uh, against a Big Ten opponent on the road, I think that's a really tough task to ask of them, especially yeah, when you're, they're already at the bottom of the barrel. You're 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 playing against a Big Ten opponent that's already played a game that, and you're on the road. That just feels like such a disadvantage to me. My and Illinois is actually at home. Indiana is at home, but I don't think. Oh, it makes okay. Sense. I I don't either. I still take Illinois. That'll that'll help them, but still, I think Illinois is already game ready, um, and that's a big advantage. Indiana has so many transfers coming in that they need to hit, including quarterback. And again, that's a lot to ask to play a Big Ten opponent who's already played. And Illinois now, Wyoming's going to be garbo, uh, but Chase Brown looked dope running the football. They returned their top three rushers, and we know how uh, Mister Brett Bielema loves to run the football. Uh, so I think Illinois is going to try to run the crap out of the football and just run it down Indiana's throat. Uh, that was actually a flip flop for me. I had Illinois, or I had yeah, I had Illinois losing that game at first. Uh, I changed my pick after after week zero. Uh, all right, Saturday, September third. Whew, nail biter. Colorado State at Michigan. Cade McNamara's time to shine. What do you boys think? I absolutely love Michigan against the spread in both week one and week two. I know they're going to be astronomical. I understand that. But listen to me. Both of these quarterbacks are going to be allowed to keep running the offense throughout the game. It is their time to shine. They are trying to win a starting quarterback job at the University of Michigan. Michigan is going to score. Uh, I would not be surprised if Michigan scores somewhere in the neighborhood of 120 to 125 points in their first two weeks. Michigan by a billion in both of those games. There's going to be so many points scored by the Michigan quarterbacks that they might even throw Donovan Edwards in the mix for uh, for the other for another starting role at, at QB. So uh, again, completely biased, but no, I mean. This is the rotational year where Michigan's non-conference isn't very difficult. I don't think anybody's trying to pass it as something that's challenging. And they're going to learn some things with the quarterback play. So these should be some fun games for Michigan fans to watch. And hopefully, hopefully some stress-free games as well. Yep, Michigan by a billion. Uh, next one is South Dakota State at Iowa. South Dakota State, I feel like, of like the smaller, uh, smaller Division One schools, always plays pretty tough. Didn't they? You a Jackrabbit fan? You a Jackrabbit yeah. fan? No, but they beat somebody last year, did they not? I can't remember off the top of my head, to be honest. I'll see if I, I can think, find it. I think they, I think they beat a Power Five opponent last year in the first game of the year. So. Expect that game to be entertaining, but I just I don't think Iowa loses. I Iowa doesn't lose games 
that this sounds so stupid, but Iowa doesn't lose games that like they should win. You know what I mean? Like they, they will always take care of business on teams that they should beat. This one will be close, but Iowa will, Iowa will take it away. So take, take the Jackrabbits and the points. Iowa gets the win. I agree with Corey. I, 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 I like Iowa just doesn't lose these games. You know, it, it, when Iowa should win a game, that's what they're great at. They win the game. And there's, it's going to be the exact same here, Iowa all the way. Yeah, they're just too talented to lose to a team like South Dakota State. I've got Iowa, Iowa as well. Uh, next one, which I am excited to watch this one. I don't know how great of a game it's going to be. It, it might actually be decent, but I'm excited to see Maryland play football. Buffalo is at Maryland. Uh, I'm excited to see Talia play this receiving core. It might be, it's not going to be up there with, you know, likes of Ohio State or Michigan or anything like that, but they've got talent coming back at receiver. And I think Talia is going to light up some team this, some teams this year. I think Buffalo could be one of them. I got Maryland big. Buffalo, great scoring team. Buffalo knows how to score the football. Take the over in this game. Maryland wins this game. You know, I'm big on. On the Mac, but no, Maryland's going to win this game. It's going to be an easy one. Uh, the next one is not going to be so easy to pick. This is Rutgers at Boston College. Uh, most Rutgers games this year, however, are going to be very easy to pick. And this one might be easy for you too, but um, uh, this is a struggle. I think I'm going to go Boston College. I'm I am picking Boston College to win this game. I just do not think Rutgers is any good. I am going to take Rutgers in this game. <laughs> I think Rutgers gets a win, their first game of the season. Uh, no real analysis to go along with it, but I do think that they, I think they get the dub week one against BC. BC has not been the the team that we have come to expect them to be over the last couple of years. I think Rutgers gets the win here. If I'm being completely honest, I think this might be one of the most surprisingly entertaining games of the Big Ten slate. Uh, I was all aboard the Rutgers hype train when they got accidentally put into that bowl game. Um, I think this is going to be like a one-score game. I could do a coin flip. But because I'm a Big Ten homer, let's just go with Rutgers. I think this quarterback from BC is gonna is gonna show some things, but uh, but we'll see. Uh, North Dakota at Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska, they cannot lose this game. Absolutely cannot. Or or Scott Frost will be fired on the field. Uh, Nebraska, just for the sake of desperation. Nebraska, and never forget that after a performance like we just saw. People are going to be hammering the other team on the spread. Take Nebraska, punt the points. Nebraska wins this game and covers. All right, I'm inside now. Sorry, this is such a chaotic episode for me. Um, Nebraska, easy. If they And again, if they lose this game, scary thoughts. Uh, Illinois State at Wisconsin. Easy pick. This is going to be Wisconsin. The run game's just going to be too much. They're just too talented. I am excited to see what Graham Mertz has to offer, but uh, Wisconsin, easy. 
Wisconsin easy. Uh, Wisconsin easy, but yes, Alex, I agree with you. Uh, the play of Graham Mertz in this game will be indicative of how far Wisconsin can go, um, which is silly for such a lame opponent. But um, I think I think you would need uh, to see a little bit of something different from the past few seasons or last year from Mertz as opposed to this year. So if you want to see Wisconsin actually compete in the Big Ten. All right, now we get to give me a drum roll. The uh, the big boys who are playing this weekend. These two games, I don't know how that did not sound like a drum roll. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Both of these games should be awesome. At least they're hyped up to be. I don't know how good one of them will be, and I'll get into that in a second, but. Uh, we're going to start with Notre Dame going to Ohio State. You couldn't ask for better brands to be playing in week one in the horseshoe. This is going to be I hope it's an awesome game. I really do. I don't know if it will be, but I hope it is. Ethan, who do you have winning this game? I am taking the Ohio State Buckeyes and <laughs> not by a small margin. I, I just I just don't think that Notre Dame has it. And with it being week one, Ohio State is charged up and ready to go. Best offense in all of college football. And in week one, that is going to be a problem. You cannot simulate what Ohio State has when you are Notre Dame in spring camp and in practice, all of those different things, there's no way for you to simulate the speed and the athleticism that they have on the offensive end of the ball. I, I, I'm i taking Ohio State, and you know what? I'm probably taking the bait when I do this. I'm taking them against the spread as well. I think they win this game by 21 points. Ethan, I think you said it perfectly. Um, but the fact of the matter is Ohio state is going to be playing pissed off. Uh, they, they failed to their standards last year. They lost to their arch rival. Um, and I would just hate to be, I would hate if the Michigan game was the first game of the year after last year, because I, I would have no confidence going into the horseshoe. You've, you've waited all uh, you've waited all spring. You've waited all summer to, for this moment. And then um, just, I think I think Notre Dame is overrated. I think they're overrated just about every year, um, and I think they will be exposed. Uh, it's not going to be pretty. Yeah, I think Notre Dame is overrated as well in the polls, and the only reason they did that is to hype up this game. This is exactly what they did when Alabama played Michigan week one, uh, when Michigan, I believe, was coming off of a Sugar Bowl win. And they rated us fifth in the preseason AP poll and Alabama was top two and we got absolutely annihilated. I don't think this is going to be as much of a bloodbath as the Bama Michigan game was. Notre Dame's going to have a really, really good defense. They have eight starters returning and they have a, I believe he was first team big 10 Brandon Joseph, the safety from Northwestern who transferred in, uh, and obviously they lost a stud safety to the NFL draft. So there's no replacing that guy. But this defense is going to be legit, and Marcus Freeman is a defensive guy. But at the end of the day, we don't know if Freeman can even coach. 
like he's never been a head coach before. He's been a coordinator, but that is a big step to make. And for this guy to be making his first like true head coaching in-game adjustments at the D1 level to prep for an opponent like Ohio State week one, that is a tall, tall, tall task for a first-time head coach. So I think it's probably close going into halftime. And then C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Travion Henderson are going to they're they're going to make this a uh, a big cushion by uh, by the time the game is over. And the last one, the spoiler makers are playing the Penn State Nittany Lions in West Lafayette. Boys, this is going to be a big one, not just for college football in general, but for the Big Ten season specifically. Uh, I think I want Ethan to go first and then me to go second. And I, I want Corey to take center stage on this one. So, Ethan, give us what you got. Great idea to let Corey take us home on this one. But listen, you just heard earlier in this episode, I'm all aboard the boiler train. And you can get them currently at plus 153 money line. You go to the window and you smash that money line and you boiler up, baby. Boiler makers all day. I have zero faith in Penn State. I have zero faith in Franklin. This is the Boilers' time to shine. I am taking them. They have the better quarterback, and early in the season, that is what I want. I want the better quarterback. I want the more experienced guy. And and listen, listen, I understand Penn State returning quarterback. I, I know. I know, I know, I know. I'm telling you, Aiden O'Connell, he is that man. Spoiler makers all day, baby. Week one, big 10 matchup, huge game. Boiler up. Let's go. Yeah, this game, this is the most exciting Thursday night college football game I can remember. I love that this game is on Thursday. It's at eight. It's in West Lafayette at night. And I got to say, boys, I am going to make this a clean sweep. I think this is going to be Aiden O'Connell's coming out party. Weird things happen early in the college football season. Weird things. And to your point, Ethan, he is the better quarterback of the two. You, you can never trust James Franklin. Never. And let me just read you, okay, for those who may not know how awesome Aiden O'Connell was last year, here are some numbers from 2021. 71.8 completion percentage, 3,712 yards, 28 touchdowns to only 11 INTs, and a QBR of 158.8. Now, do we know who his number one wide receiver is going to be? No, we do not. We know who his number one tight end is going to be. He should be pretty legit. But a quarterback like that makes the people around him better. And someone will show up from the receiving core and is going to light up the field with a no Connell coming out party at night in West Lafayette boys. I'm going boiler makers. I say boiler. You say up now, Corey boiler. Up baby. Let's go. I'm taking Penn step. No. Okay. This, I just want the people to know 
I have been saying since the beginning stages of this podcast conversation, I am I have bought in to Purdue stock. I am the biggest Purdue fan that's also a Michigan fan without being a Purdue fan. Let listen. One from a strategic standpoint or from a more analytical standpoint, this is probably the the one game of the Big Ten season where you're going to get the two most experienced quarterbacks playing each other in a primetime game. Sean Clifford is what? I think he's a sixth year senior as well, or at least he feels like it. He's been he might be a sixtieth year senior. Yes. And Aiden O'Connell is a sixth year uh quarterback as well. Um, so you'll you will see, I think, some very let's just say wise quarterback play um, while also seeing some electricity because it's a night game. And because it's the biggest game of the big 10 slate for the weekend. Um, I will say this. I I'm not just buying in because I live in Indiana. Now I'm buying in because this Purdue team, this is the rotation that you get of a team that is all chock full of veterans. I looked through their depth chart, they have, I think, four starters that are not upperclassmen right now on this team. And they have the most experienced quarterback in the Big Ten, who is probably the second or third best quarterback in the Big Ten right now. The stage is set for Purdue to have a big year, and this is exactly where it starts. Now, the biggest question mark will be, what is the defense going to look like? And this is a great measuring stick for, for the Purdue Boilermakers on the defensive side of the ball. Now they'll be able to get bailed out, hopefully, by the tremendous offensive play that they'll have. But this will be very important and a very early test to see how they will stack up against the rest of the Big Ten you know, elite. If they lose this game, it's not the end of the world, but I would, I would definitely be very discouraged because I do have them slated to lose against Wisconsin. But if they win, I'm going to be absolutely unbearable. Alex, I agree with you. This is going to be the most fun Thursday night college football matchup that we've seen. And I think something that the Big Ten has been envisioning for a long time now, uh, since they they shifted to these Thursday or Thursday night early season games. Um, but as we've seen in the past, Purdue has beaten an Ohio State on a, on a night home game. Purdue showed up against a Michigan state team who had their biggest win of the season against Michigan. And they completely beat the brakes off of both of those teams. I expect they'll show up for this game. It's going to be electric. And that, that trap game against Michigan state last year was such a trap game that it like wasn't anymore. And they just came out and won that game. So huge kudos. Corey, I couldn't agree more. One, one, more th- one more thought, too. Um, Mich- the, P- Purdue couldn't stop Michigan State from scoring. But their offense was so good that it didn't matter. And that's why I'm so high on Purdue, because this offense is not going to skip a beat. Not with this, not with Aiden O'Connell at quarterback. He is him, and he is the reason why the road to Pasadena runs through West Lafayette. All three of us are aboard the Aiden O'Connell train. Uh, I am so pumped. So pumped. That's all the picks. That's all we got for episode two. I'm going to start keeping track. After week one, feeling so good about Northwestern, we are keeping track of these picks. And uh, we're going to see who comes out on top at the end of each week and eventually at the end of the year. So uh, I am pumped for that. But 
that's all we got. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow and or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. We are on Instagram and now Twitter. We just made a Twitter account this week at Big Show Pod. So go find us on there. Give us a follow. Uh, Corey, do you want to close us out? When in doubt, boiler up, Big Ten Nation, because a storm is a brewing and the train is coming. But thank you so much for listening this week. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, make sure to rate us five stars on everything and interact with us on social media because that will be uh, quite a fun time. And uh, we would like to make jokes about Scott Frost and any other thing that you can think of. Um, but thank you so much. And we will hear from you and you will hear from us next week. See you guys. Later.